Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening and hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to this week's edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. Uh, we're so excited to have you along with us. Uh, whether you're joining us live on our Facebook page, uh, via YouTube or Rumble, or you may be watching on the Creative Motion Network, where this week we had the number two and number three in the top ten on the Creative Motion Network. If you missed those shows, uh, be sure to catch our interview with Caroline Harries of Moms in the Making. Uh, it was, uh, it's a phenomenal organization. It's a faith-based fertility support organization, uh, that's, uh, there for women who've had a, a, a struggle, uh, in, uh, producing their next generation. So it's a great organization. Also, uh, last week we had our conversation with Thor Ramsey and Christopher Sean Shaw. Uh, that was our number three show on, uh, the Creative Motion Network this past week. So, uh, be sure to check those out as well as all the phenomenal, uh, programming on the Creative Motion Network. Absolutely for free on Roku. And uh, one of the uh, ministries that we uh, do with uh, Gifts for Glory is Well-Versed Comedy. It's our Chicago faith-based improv troupe. And uh, I want to just welcome officially our uh, three newest members. Uh, Brooke, who was with us uh, for a couple of years. Uh, She just recently returned. And also brand new members, Mame and Ember. Uh, So welcome to our uh, three new members to the Well-Versed Comedy team. Be sure to uh, uh, say hi and uh, uh, just uh, um, welcome our three newest members. You can find us at um, WellVerseCMDY on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's at WellVerseCMDY. And uh, drop a note to welcome uh, Mame, Brooke, and Ember to the um, WellVerse comedy team. Uh, so let's move into our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, today's Devotions with Dave segment is coming from uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Uh, that uh, Those uh, verses read uh, out of the uh, NLT. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And it's really, it's an amazing thing that Jesus is telling us here. We think that, you know, going to God and giving our sacrifice and, and presenting our gifts to God is the most important thing. But here Jesus is saying, go get reconciled. If there's something between you and a brother, get that fixed so you can come and present your your gift at the altar. Jesus and God, obviously, and the Holy Spirit, they all want us to be reconciled to one another to. Uh, to work together, to be together, not in conformity, but in unity. And it's so important that Jesus even says, don't don't make your sacrifice at the altar if you've got something between you and a brother. Go and be reconciled. Go and be healed. And I think it's partially because when you have a rift between you and a brother, when there's a a divide between you guys or you girls or whoever, you're not able to, to give that sacrifice out of that pure heart and motivation. And it's so important that Jesus wants us to make sure that we are reconciled with our brother. Now, Paul, you know, he talks in Romans about in as much as possible, live at peace with everyone. 
you can go do your duty. You can't force them to be reconciled to you. Uh, my wife and I have had some experience with this where we've gone specifically to reconcile with a brother in Christ. And instead of reconciling, uh, he vehemently decided, no, I'm not here to reconcile. We're going to basically what ended up being the equivalent of, of a divorce uh, because we lost a brother. We lost friends because of that split instead of being able to come and be reconciled. So it's so important. Jesus made it a clear point that we need to be reconciled, leave your sacrifice at the altar and, and be united, uh, united, not conformed. I think that's a, a major uh, differentiation. A differentiation, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, in uh, our uh, walk with the Lord. So that is our Devotion with Dave segment for this evening. Uh, Really excited to uh, bring our guests at this time. Uh, They host an uh, inspirational and funny um, uh, podcast. It's called The Laugh Support uh, Podcast. It's really funny. It's also really interesting to hear the different stories of comedians uh, that they bring on, as well as hear their stories uh, so be sure to find the Laugh Support Podcast as part of the Hot Breath Network, uh, available on all major uh, platforms. Uh, so at this time, let me bring in Michelle Van Dusen and uh, June Bug Colson. Welcome <laughs> to the Get Podcast. Hey, so good to be here. It's awesome hey. to have you all here. Uh, I love the show. I really enjoyed uh, your, uh, your show with uh, Steve Rivera. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to Gutties. Yes, um, yeah. What what? Then, what what? And then you had Leland Clausen on, uh, which was uh, also a lot of fun. You guys have have had some amazing people come mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. including the hosts. Yes, what? well, I, you know what? I think though, I think right now, real quick, I just need to say to Michelle, I forgive you, okay? Because that <laughs> devotion that Dave just did. I think he changed it up because you get a little time backstage with Dave before we start the podcast. And Michelle may have called me a brat like eight or nine times before we even got it started. So, Dave, thank you for listening to God and, and, and making sure that you went with the devotion that was most important to be heard today. And so, yes, Michelle, I love you and I forgive you. Am I still a brat? Yes. Because, yeah. uh, June, you're supposed to leave your sacrifice first. So if you're oh, leaving it unattended, see, I'm just is, saying, who's picking it up? This is what we have going on, Dave. Do you see how she criticizes me, Dave? Do you see what's happening here? I, I, I see. But, I mean, based on, on the image that you have for the podcast, I'm assuming that most of your jokes kind of go over her head. They anyway. do. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, I'm oh. out. <laughs> uh, I forgive you, Dave. Oh. <laughs> is, I, I feel free now. I think we've learned a valuable lesson. This has now become a, an after-school special. <laughs> I wish I was there to hug you, both of you and the girls. I don't know, but yeah, thank you for having us on. We we do a podcast together. What do you think about that? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And so how did it get started? What was the, uh, the motivation? Because uh, I know that you all have worked together, and uh, I know that in many ways uh, Michelle has really helped you, June, in your yes, comedy, yes. but... How did that translate into uh, starting a podcast? Tell them, Michelle. Tell them all about it. That's a great question. So uh, we were minding our own business and uh, just twiddling our thumbs. All right, Lord, whatever you want. And um, a friend of ours, Joel Byers, who runs the Hot Breath Comedy Network, um, he 
was inspired one day and just sent us both a message and said, Hey, have you guys thought about doing a podcast? And we're like, we, and then the banter back and forth, they're like, uh, not really. We haven't really thought about it. Have you thought about it? And we were just chatting away. He goes, this, this is what a podcast is. You two talking. And we're like, okay. So we started looking into it and realized we might be able to do it. And as we're doing it, no, nah, it's way over our head. Good thing June's tall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, we really did. We brought it to our attention at the time. I was considering doing a podcast, but it was going to be something different. And it wasn't something I'd really dropped the hammer on yet. And as Michelle and I talked about it, we both agreed, you know, let us pray about it. Let it, let us see what direction God uh, sends us on this thing. And I remember talking to Michelle and I said, you know, I don't want to do a podcast just to have a podcast, you know. And, and so if we don't have a purpose in it, if we don't have a reason for doing it or something we can both be passionate about, it, they're not easy to do podcasts. We really have no idea what we're doing. 99.9% of the time, our first couple of, I don't know. If you watch them on YouTube, it's hilarious just to see how we started on Zoom and then we went to StreamYard and the intro and, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah. but we knew it was going to be difficult. And I said, if, if, if it's not something we can have a passion for, you're just going to, it's not going to last long. We'll probably do five episodes and be like, oh, this is too hard. It stinks. But if we really care about it, um, you know, it'll be worth the work. Right. So uh, as we discussed what we wanted it to be, the name Laugh Support is what we settled on because we realized our friendship was created uh, through laughter and through supporting one another. And it, and it started out with me being um being called into comedy, which is a whole, you know, story in itself that, you know, God called me into comedy. It wasn't something that I woke up and said, I'm going to be a comedian. God said, this is what I want you to do. And one of the first people who uh, supported me was my laugh support was Michelle mm -hmm. and Michelle, actually her and, and another comedian, um, Dean O'Hare, they, yeah. uh, they stayed up with me till, well, one o'clock in the morning at the CCA and helped me edit a bit that I was working on so that I would have the confidence to get on stage for the first time, the very first time. And so we kind of just decided, you know, how did our, how, how did our relationship form? And then rather than doing a podcast where we just strictly talked about comedy, we decided, well, Hey, all, all these other comedians, someone helped them or did they, maybe they didn't have any help at all. And we were curious about their journey. And it also gave them an opportunity to thank someone and not just have a podcast all about themselves. Me, me, me. This is all the things I've accomplished, my struggles. They get to say this person was there. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a spouse. Sometimes it's another comedian or a friend. Sometimes they're reminiscing on someone that's passed away or, you know, someone who's still with them right now. That's still their, their life support. So, so, you know, that was kind of the, the, how, how the whole thing began. I don't know, Michelle, you got anything to add to that? Did I miss anything? Uh, no, not really. Um, let's see. So June came up with our intro song per se. She's playing that. Uh, and um, our artwork we, uh, our buddy PJ Keens helped us at the very beginning and um, kind of got the concept that was in our brains out, which was really neat. Uh, we did spend a lot of time praying and just 
going back and forth and talking, how do we do this? And Joel said that we had to have at least 10 episodes recorded before we could actually go live. Hmm. So we ended up having like 15 before we even figured out how to go live. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we were live and then we still couldn't figure out how to get on Apple. Uh, right. That was <laughs> so a that journey. Was yeah. That was a whole other process. So it's definitely been a team effort. You know, yeah. we've been going yeah. back and forth, you know, trying to learn as much as we can. And um, I, I know that I wouldn't be able to do this journey without June. Um, there's no way mm. because there's, there's so much involved in it. Like June writes all of our episode, uh, in our show notes. She writes mm. all of those. That's the proper name for it. Show notes. Uh-huh. I learned that. Uh-huh. Um, so she writes all those. And, um, when she's not around like a couple weeks ago, um, <laughs> I had to write it. So you'll see a vast difference in the writing ability of this is really good. And then what happened? Like, no, that's me. The, what no. happened is me. It was good. Her show notes made me laugh. They were much funnier than the notes that I was writing. Her show notes <laughs> actually made me laugh. And I'm like, they, they probably should since we're a uh, podcast that talks about laughter. It would, yeah, you know, might help if we actually got people to listen to us by having show notes that are funny. So, but yeah, that was, that was how we began, Dave. Yeah. And you're going to really like our upcoming, um, our upcoming uh, guests soon. You're going to love those too. So I'm just Mm going to put that out there. Yeah. Any any teasers or do you want to just be a surprise on the day that it releases? No, we'll tell you who we got coming up. Uh, So we have Claiborne, (laughs) Claiborne Cox coming up. We have Robert G. Lee's coming up. Yeah. Robert G. Lee. Stephen B. coming up. We have Leslie Robb coming up. Mm-hmm. We have Jason Earls coming up. We have Byron Trimble coming up. And we have, um, oh, those two girls, uh, that short and tall one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, who, I, I don't know, like June and Michelle. They'll June be on and Michelle. Too. So we have a couple yeah. episodes where we go back and forth or reflect on the people that we've talked to. So a few of us yeah. in between all of that. But yeah, some yeah. some pretty awesome some pretty awesome interviews and it, what's, what's cool about it. I mean, it, you know, a few weeks go past. And so whenever they release, you know, I'm, I'm excited when I get up in the morning on Thursday morning, I'm like, Ooh, who do we talk to? What episodes coming out? You know? And then I listen to it. And it, even like Earl music, this last episode where we had Earl on, um, it was so good. He said some things in that interview that at the time I'm sure I was like, Oh, wow, that's interesting. Right. But they didn't apply to my life at the moment. It was just like, oh, that's really. Yeah, that's why. That's interesting. And then I was able to message him this week and say, wow, I listened to the episode. And what you said really hit me today. Like God knew that I needed to hear that episode when I was driving down the road last Thursday. And it was like something I've been praying about. He, He. he just kind of answered the question I've been asking God that I was unsure about. And it was, that was really cool. That was cool. Okay. We're going to let you talk now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I love hearing about it. And the, um, so do you handle your own editing or do you record it? Then somebody else is doing the editing or how does that work? That's so cute. He thinks we edit. <laughs> <laughs> when, when four episodes I had to edit um, because we had, uh, it was on Zoom, was it? Is that where we started? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to edit those 
And then we had a couple of episodes where we didn't have any music. So then I had to add that in. But after that, no, what you hear is what you get. That's it. No. It's whatever we taped, that's it. So we got a couple coming up that you'll hear some echoes and stuff. I'm not touching it. Sorry. It's not my thing. Yeah, we say just watch us on YouTube. It's interesting when you see us. And 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 then, you know, then listen and give us some grace. It's okay, right? Yeah. Well, that and that's why I uh, went to the live format partially is because I I would just do it this way. Don't need to edit. I just send it off. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like sound technicians and people who, you know, I mean, I've got uh, some friends in Nashville, like they have audio skills, you know, they work in the music industry and that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, they go through and they edit out the breaths and those kind of things. And I'm like, I would love for you to listen to my podcast, but I don't really want to hear how you feel about it when you're done. <laughs> Just enjoy the conversation. So, but yeah, we don't, uh, we don't edit what you get, what you get. You don't have a fit. Sounds yep. great. Um, so you guys are also stand-up comedians. Uh, is this is that uh, your full-time thing, or is it a part-time, or, or, or where are you? Where is your career with comedy? <laughs> uh, have you heard of the thing called COVID? What yeah. career? Oh. <laughs> right, right. So my full-time thing nowadays is you know stay-at-home housekeeper. I guess. Um, yeah. It's a, it's still a hobby slash I'm not making enough money to make it a full-time career. I wish I could, but I'm not there. Um, but I take any of the opportunities that come my way. So, but I eat, sleep and think comedy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I'm in the middle of writing a children's joke book or several joke books, I should say. So that's something I'm working on. And, um, uh, just some things like that. So yes and no. Mm-hmm. Kat, well, for me, I, um, I had uh, owned a business, sold the business uh, 2011. And so I had some extra change in my pocket and some extra time on my hands. And I wanted to do a job that, that I just felt I was making a difference somewhere. Right. So uh, I went to work in um, an elementary school working in special education and, uh, 2020, you know, God was like, it's time, it's time for you to, you know, to leave that behind and go do this thing full time. Okay. God, <laughs> why 2020? Why? But, um, but what's cool is I have a spouse who, who supported that a hundred percent and, Unfortunately, living living in Kentucky and close to Tennessee and Indiana, there was I was still working. I was still doing shows and, and events and, you know, random places uh, throughout that time. And so, you know, the game plan was to go full time with it. And I, you know, like Michelle, she's she's doing the joke book. I've been working on a book that that hopefully will be published soon. And um I write, you know, I write a lot. And then my husband and I own some um, real estate properties and things like that. But for the most part, from the time I get up in the morning, um, I'm writing comedy. I'm working with comedians online. I'm, you know, doing shows on the weekends and uh, and trying to finish the book. So. So, yeah, that's what it uh, that's what it looks like for me. Now, um, I got sick last month and had to cancel quite a few 
events. And so uh, I've given myself the month of September to to kind of heal, reboot, and then October is is pretty full at this point. So, nice. so yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. And podcasting, of course, and yeah. podcasting. Oh yeah. And for the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was like, oh yeah, and, and we do and the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah, and podcast. Yeah, <laughs> the, that little thing um, for our audio listeners who are listening to the podcast, uh, find uh, Laugh Support on Facebook at Laugh Support Podcast. And uh, to find our guests individually, uh, uh, find uh, Michelle at michellescomedy.com or on uh, Facebook at Laugh I'm Funny, which is uh, probably the most original uh, comedian uh, page in history. <laughs> Pretty good. <clears throat> now for uh, June, you can find her at uh, junecolsoncomedy.com. Uh, and that's uh, uh, Colson, C-O-L-S-O-N, junecolsoncomedy.com. Or at June Colson Comedy, uh, where you can find dates and uh, and information on where to uh, find them performing live. Um, so uh, this is one of my favorite, or this is my favorite part of the program, is where I try to make you cry. Well, actually, not really. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I love to do with it, with this show is. <laughs> Does she not have the best laugh, Dave? She She has the best laugh. You want her working with you because she's funny on the shows, and then you want her sitting and laughing at you when you're on stage because she has the best laugh ever. Sorry. Okay. So back to your papers. We're going to make you cry. Uh, I also do acting sometimes, so go. (laughs) So uh, the purpose of this show is to share testimonies and to hopefully uh, encourage and inspire others, uh, whether you are a Christian uh, to encourage you that, that there is always hope. And if you're not somebody that has that uh, followed or has found Christ yet, to inspire you to think, maybe this is somebody that I need to uh, look into as far as, as Jesus. So I want to hear your testimonies. Um, uh, since it's uh, kind of going clockwise by my window, I will go with Michelle first. Uh, uh, Michelle, how did... <laughs> go ahead. That's the question. <laughs> I didn't want you to laugh till you cried. Yeah, <laughs> Come on, get it together, Van Dusen. <laughs> so, Michelle, how did uh, how did you find Jesus? Was it uh, were you in a Christian home growing up, or was it something that happened later in life? Uh, tell us your testimony. All right. So, um, long story short, which is going to be a really long story. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> okay. So, when I was little. I was alive to God. He was my best friend. I spent all my time. I would play cards with him. You know, we'd play fish, uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And then just like Paul talked about uh, when I was younger, I was alive to God. And then the law came and then I died. And mm-hmm. then he became alive again to Christ. And so that's kind of what happened to me. Uh, I was raised in a Irish Italian Catholic home. Um, so a family with good morals. And uh, we were considered non-practicing Catholics. So we would go, you know, every holiday, every wedding, uh, funerals, uh, Easter, Christmas, you know, that kind of stuff. That's when we go to church. And then my parents sent us to, um, uh, I had to go to CCD classes. And that's when the law came in. So I was alive to God up until I had to go to CCD classes. Mm. And I remember arguing with them all the time. Like, why do I have to talk to a priest? Why can't I just talk straight to God? I don't get this. Like it was all these rules that they kept trying to add. And so my carefree 
love life with God kind of died. Mm -hmm. And then in high school, um, I was attending a Catholic high school, you know, because your siblings went to Catholic high school, you're going to Catholic high school too. I was the baby. I'm, I'm, I should say I'm the baby of the family. So, uh, so I was, um, in school, like junior year and God was already wooing me back to him. Cause I would mm -hmm. go to the chapel. I would go to chapel every morning and I'd ask the priest, how do I know I'm going to heaven? He goes, cause you're a good friend. You know, you're a good person. I said, well, why did Jesus die? He goes, well, he died for our sins. I said, so how do I know I'm going to heaven? He's like, cause you're a good person. I said, then why did Jesus die? Like the every day, mm -hmm. every day this would happen. I'd ask, I'd ask the priest. And, um, so we had CCD, we had religion classes and we were watching Choices of the Heart. And I don't know if you ever heard that. That's a, it's a movie based off of Jean Donovan's life. And she was a missionary down in El Salvador and Melissa Gilbert played her. Hmm. And in, it is a fantastic movie. So this woman is down there working with uh, the nuns and she gets brutally raped and murdered. And I'm like, everyone around me in the class is just bawling. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be a martyr for Christ. <laughs> it's the weird, weird thing, but that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't finding Christ in my environment. And so I, I know that he was wooing me and I was trying to talk to him. So my cousins who happened to be missionaries in Indonesia, I would see them every so often. And I remember sitting in the back of Connie and Jim's car talking about Christ. And it got down to the whole idea of, well, how do I know that he loves me? Hmm. And they kept talking about, well, you know, he died for you. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, but how do I know it's for me? Like, yeah, okay. He died for the world. Okay. I get that. But me, and I couldn't get a hold of that that how much he loved me individually. So um, I thought, all right, I'll, I'll try this Christianity thing. And so for a year I went to a evangelical church, you know, I tried to be a Christian. Um, I gave my life to God and I'm going to, you know, and after a year of trying really hard to be a Christian, um, my parents had a surprise birthday party for me, it, which they never did. And so it's like my 17th, 18th, my 18th birthday. And I was mean to them the whole night because it was a Saturday night and they knew I go to church on that night. How mm. dare they, you know, legalistic, you know, Catholic upbringing, very legalistic kind of at this point, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do this. You know, it's all about works. So how dare you have a party for me? So my friend, she just got up in my face. She goes, your parents love you and they did this for you. And how do you owe them an apology and all this, you know, I should reconcile with them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I went back to my bedroom and I, um, this is where my life changed. I went back to my bedroom and I stuck my little finger up in God's face. And I said, look, this Christianity, it's too hard. I can't do it. I can't do it. If you want me to be a Christian, you have to change me. Hmm. And in that moment, when I actually surrendered my will or the way I thought you needed to be to be a Christian, the moment I did that, instantly, he filled me with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking other tongues. I didn't know what that meant. What I had at that moment was peace. And I was able, I prayed in an Indian language. 
and I cried and prayed myself to sleep that night. A couple months go by and I'm doing this every night kind of a thing. And I'm in the car with my friend and we're driving to this church that we've been going to. It's an hour away, basically this evangelical church. And we pass another church and she goes, that's where they pray in tongues. And I'm like, well, if it's of God, what's the deal? You know, what's the big deal? I didn't know. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know any of that stuff. Anyway, found out what it meant. Um, you know, got the teaching behind it. And within six months, I was in full-time ministry. Wow. So that's kind of my story. And here I am doing comedy. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's really, it's an awesome story to see how God kept wooing you. And mm-hmm. that's how God does it. He He's relentless. He, he, he is a gentleman. He's not going to, uh, I mean, I guess Paul might be the exception, but uh, I, I think Paul could have even still chosen, I'll be blind. I ain't going to serve you. But still, just the idea that he waited patiently, like, come on, Michelle, come on. And uh, I love that story. Yeah. Well, and the thing with Paul is he thought he was serving God. He was killing the Christians, but he thought he was serving God because he knew the scripture. He mm-hmm. was, you know, the righteous of righteous. You know, he was the head honcho. Like he had all this learning, all this teaching, what I would consider legalism. He had all that. And it yeah. wasn't until he had that moment with Christ that God had to change his heart and goes, oh, oh, it's you. Okay. Yeah. And things change. And it took him, what, like two years of him studying and, and getting to know him before. Then he ended up doing actually his ministry of mission work and things like that um, <laughs> and changed the rest of the world for us. Hmm. Anyway. And uh, you know, as you're t- talking, I'm realizing the, the, symbol- the symbolic nature of Paul being blinded in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he was literally blind spiritually, and now he's physically blind. And he had to uh, pursue Jesus in order to be uh, unblinded, I guess yeah. is the mm-hmm. word. That, that's probably not even a word. but uh, <laughs> Till he regained his sight or till he got new sight? Yeah, till he got new sight. Yeah. I'll give you unblinded. I'll give you that. <laughs> Why not? not in Scrabble. You can't do that in Scrabble. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I win. No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll try it on words with friends tonight. Uh, see if it if it works. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah, that's it, the, it. Won't just yeah. FYI. That's the final uh, decision maker right there. Words <laughs> with friends. Yeah. So, uh, Michelle, after um, you know, you entered in a ministry, uh, at what point did uh, comedy come in? So I worked at a home for Elmwood Mothers for two years. And then I, from there, I moved to Oklahoma to attend a Bible school. I tried to go to Bible school first. Oh, I guess I should back up a little bit. I wanted to be a nun uh, in in high school. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to be like Jean Donovan. I'm going to be a nun. So I went downtown, put my application in, and they said no. Um, I don't know why. Uh, actually, they didn't answer me. So uh, still waiting to hear back. And so then when I when I had that choice of working for the unwed mothers or going to Bible school, I'm like, well, I got to go to Bible school that I get to teach these girls what they've done wrong. Mm-hmm. And God's like, no, we need to fix you first. So mm-hmm. the Bible school said no. So after two years of working there, I moved down here and um, 
so, you know, we ended up, I ended up getting married, worked at a, at a children's camp, like did a lot of stuff down here, graduated college and stuff. And now we left Oklahoma, moved to Italy. So my husband could help remodel a Bible school. After yeah. that, we moved back to Chicago to live with my parents because we didn't have a home or anything, a job, anything at that point. I'm sitting there with my children because now I have four boys and my sister's kid is over and I'm watching the Rosie O'Donnell show. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched that, uh, but back in the day, it was really good. Uh, it was right before, um, it was right after she was getting real political. And so mm-hmm. then um, Carolyn Ray was taking over mm-hmm. and Carolyn Ray said, uh, Hey, do you guys have a talent? Can you tell some jokes? Da, 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 da. Come on out. We're doing auditions. And I was sitting there with my kids and I thought, I don't have a talent. I used to do this. I used to play the cello. I used to be a missionary. I used to, it was all these used to do these things. Mm-hmm. And now what? I just have these boys. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, just four of five, them. Just- yeah, four of my own <laughs> and my sister. Well, and then I thought, oh, I could, I could tell the the few jokes that my sister. So my sister used to call me up and insult me on the phone because I used to, I would homeschool my kids and hers, and um, you know preschool stuff at that point. And she'd make fun of me every time. You know, she call she'd call me up and she's like, hey, who are you gonna write the note to if they're sick? Ha ha ha! Click. You know, like these are the things that I would hear. And so I thought, I'm gonna go up there and tell my five jokes. So we went up to, we packed the kids in the tr- in the car, went up to um, Michigan, no, Wisconsin. We went up to Wisconsin to do these five jokes. I am like fourth from the last in the line. And I go up there and it's one guy in front of me and then my turn. The producer goes, okay, uh, Carolyn has to go. So we're going to just film the rest of you. And I'm like, it's one, two, three, four. There's four of us. You can't wait for four more people. So we do our thing in front of the TV and then, you know, the camera, and then we leave. And that was it. I thought, okay, one and done, you know, that's it. So when we moved back to Tulsa, I heard on the radio again, hey, do you have a talent? Can you tell jokes? Come to the mall. Da, 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 da. I'm like, eh, I think I should go. So I go and I do my four or five jokes. Now I have five and, um, and, and I do my five jokes in front of this Hollywood lady and just, yeah, you're not ready for Hollywood. However, I'm going to give you a call back. I'm like, okay. So go to the callback, the lady, you know, everybody, there's like a hundred people now instead of the thousands that were at the mall and you do your thing. People laugh. Typically she calls you to the table and she whispers, for mine, she goes, all right, I told Michelle yesterday, she's not ready. However, I want to see what she can do in a year. I thought, challenge mm-hmm. accepted. And so it was a challenge. <laughs> and so I, I went to the comedy club. My husband and I went the first night. I'm like, can I do this? He's like, yeah, I'll be back, but go ahead. So I had full support from my husband. And, <laughs> and I just started going. And the the owner of the club, he's like, you need stage time. So you can come in anytime the club is open or, you know, anytime during the day, you can just practice, just come in and practice. And I didn't take them up on it and I should have. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So that club closed. And, um, so it's just year by year 
I ended up going to the Las Vegas Comedy Festival, learned a lot. And then I heard about the Christian Comedy Association and went to that. And I'm like, oh, these are my people. So it was the merge of the two. So I started out in clubs, basically. Long story, made it longer. You're welcome. Oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Did I answer the question? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, this sounds fun. I'm going to try it. And then uh, God said, yeah. He was still, he was wooing you the entire way. He's like, hey, yes. come to this. Come to this. Yeah. Yeah. It was never a, uh, thus saith the Lord, you must go do this. It was never that. And that's why I think I've always struggled with, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I do this? And so I was doing it a lot. And then I stopped and I looked at my kids. They were little. I thought, ooh, I'm not making enough money to actually keep traveling. So I stopped. And mm-hmm. then I just got involved in the school and um, started an after-school comedy club for kids and started a writing program for kids. And so I worked in the school system for eight years, maybe. Uh, but they're off in college now. They have their own life. Now I can actually pursue it. Yeah. So. So you worked in the school system for eight years. They left, mm-hmm. so now you got paroled, and you're able to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, so June, your turn. Uh, yes, tell us about your story. How did you find uh, Christ? And uh, you, you did hint at it a little bit earlier, but. Uh, uh, tell us how you found Christ and then how you found comedy. Oh, did I hint about it earlier? I don't remember giving any hints. Now I'm like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So how did I find Christ? Um, my mother would physically drag me to church uh, every single Sunday. My brother, my sister, and I, um, we lived in a little place we I called the Shirley Shack. Um, it was like 700 Mm, that might be more five, five to 700 square foot with five people in the house. Um, my mom was, uh, her mother was bipolar and was extremely violent with my mom when my mom was a little girl. And um, she was pregnant with my sister when her and my dad got married. And she lived in a big town of Newcastle, Indiana, and married my dad and moved to the small town of Shirley, Indiana. To where, you know, she was, she was the, the woman who was already pregnant and marrying my dad. And my dad was a bartender and, and well-known in town for just being wild and drinking and partying and those kind of things. And so um, every Sunday, mom would take us to church. And it was more of uh, the location because of where the church was, was just two blocks from our house and she could walk us there. Then the specific denomination, she didn't care. She just, her mother-in-law was letting us live in the little Shirley shack, which was actually my grandparents' home. And um, she was already being judged. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the last thing they were going to do is be able to judge her for not having her kids in church. So she would drag us to church. And then she would, she would, one of us would mess something up while we were at church and she, you know, one or all of us would, would get a whipping on the way home. So I had this confusion of like, how would she just have this hand up praising the Lord? And then now that hand is, you know, wearing us out because we spoke too loud or we spoke too soft or do we had a race car in his pocket or, you know, it was all of these things. And so I started out really like church was almost a punishment 
Mm. Have, you know, having to go to church every Sunday. And then it was unpredictable because we didn't know if mom was going to be in a good mood when we left or if we embarrassed her when we left and, and those kind of things. But, but I, I remember the stories. I've always loved stories. And I had a Sunday school teacher who was a really good storyteller at the time. You know, she was just good about telling these stories in the Bible. And so I, I, I looked forward to it. But we didn't have, um, like I said, we, we, we were poor. We were the government cheese and the powdered milk kids. We mm-hmm. were the hand-me-down of the hand-me-down of the hand-me-down kids. We were the ones who were made fun of because we only got to take a bath once a week because we couldn't afford the hot water. And it would be one, you know, t- one bathtub. My sister and I would have to get in. And then my little brother got what was left of the water when we got out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being at the bus stop and being uh, made fun of because they were talking about dinner, what they had eaten for dinner. And this kid was like, oh, we had you know, pork chops and mashed potatoes and corn and green beans and Dewey Wajali. And my little brother said, macaroni and cheese. What? <laughs> hmm. Okay, what's man? And Dewey's like, and macaroni and cheese. And they're like, that's not a meal. Like that's on the side. What was your meat? And he was like, we didn't, ha- you know, we didn't have meat. And uh, so I, I got used to being mocked and made fun of at, at school and those kind of things. But then I was starting to see it at church as well. Hmm. Right? I was starting to see those things at church. And I noticed that, that they would tease or make fun of things that my mom did because she was socially awkward. She, you know, she was raised by a bipolar mother. She had um, a lot of issues from the abuse that she endured. And she basically raised us the way her mother raised her, just not as aggressive. Mm. And um, vacation Bible school would roll around. And because of our poverty, I mean, we didn't have meat. (laughs) We certainly didn't have cake mix and there wasn't birthday cakes and those kind of things unless my grandmother made it. And that was a cake that my sister or my my cousin Angel and I shared because our birthday was a day apart. But vacation Bible school was always around my birthday. And that's that storytelling Sunday school teacher made sure that I was treated special at VBS because my birthday would land on it every time. And so I started feeling like the goodness of God from that teacher. And eventually I felt convicted. I was um, nine or 10 years old. There's no documentation of when I was saved. I was nine or 10 years old. And um, I went in front of the church and, and told them, you know, that I believed in, in Jesus Christ and I knew that he had died for my sins and I knew he was raised from the dead. And they were like, oh, you know, we're going to baptize her. And they took they me to baptism. I was baptized. And I remember when I came up and they brought me back out, my hair was all wet and dripping and they called my mother to the front and they were going to say a prayer. And my mom was weeping oh. and I had never seen her cry because she was happy about something. I had no idea what happy tears were. I'd seen her angry and crying. And most of the time I'd seen her angry and suddenly she was crying. So now I remember like standing in front of the church thinking, Oh no, what I do. Oh, is she, is she embarrassed? Is she crying because I got water on the floor? Like, am I going to get beat on the way home? (laughs) What just happened? What just happened? Wow. And, um, and I remember looking at her and then looking at my pastor and he said, and it, like he read it on my face and he said, those are happy tears, Junebug. Those are happy tears. 
And I had no idea those existed. Right. So I was saved. I was saved. But then it was like, okay, she's done. Hooray. <laughs> and then that was kind of it. You know, there was no follow up. There was no mentor. There was no, it was like, okay, now just keep listening to the same Sunday school stories they've been telling you your whole life. Eventually my family moved to Kentucky um, and I was already as a young girl kind of watching people mock and make fun of my mom. And so mm-hmm. I started really struggling. Like, I'm like, I love you, God, but I don't like Christians. Mm-hmm. And I started just kind of pulling back and stepping away from God um, because my dad's an alcoholic and because my mom is the way that my mom is. They didn't pay attention to a lot of what was going on in our lives. Dad was working at the factory, going to party. When we moved to Kentucky, mom basically went, okay, you guys are, you know, you're 10 years old and you're eight years old and you're 14 years old. You're on your own. Take care of yourself. I got stuff to do. Right. Mm. And so she kind of abandoned us. And then God, in my eyes, he took me away from my Indiana family. The only stability that I had because our parents were a hot mess. And then my sister had a best friend and that best friend was ripped away from us and she moved away. She only moved later on. I realized like six miles away, but it was, she was dead to us at that point because we, we couldn't afford a phone. Um, Our cars were repoed and whatever junker we had was just for dad to go to work. Right. And so I was angry with, with God. I kept getting more and more frustrated with him. He, he took away my family. Now, my sister finally had a friend. I'm being made fun of in Kentucky because I don't say y'all. I say you guys. I don't talk slow. I talk fast. I don't know what pack at baby over here means when you pack, you pack a suitcase. Right. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have friends. I didn't connect or make sense anywhere. And then my sister makes another friend. Her family owns a hotel. Uh, it was the you know kind of rundown whatever hotel across the street from our house. She became my sister's best friend. The mother became mom's best friend. And my mom finally had a friend. My mom didn't have friends. And um, and I saw that bond and all of that happen. And then uh, the week before Lisa's 16th birthday, she was killed in an accident. Oh, no. And she was taken away. And my mom's friend was taken away. And so at that point, I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I, I know you're there, but I don't need you. I'm done. Mm. Like I'm, I'm done with you, God. And I really started to, to, you know, get resourceful. I've always been very resourceful. I do a bit in my comedy where I do the McDonald's menu. I recite the entire menu from 1989 as one of my bits, but that was a resourceful thing that I did because I, uh, I, I tried out for cheerleader I was the white trash cheerleader that most of the mothers were ticked off that I even made the squad. But I taught myself how to do a back handspring so that they couldn't say I couldn't be on the squad because that was kind of the thing at the time. If you could do a back handspring, we'll let you on the squad. So um, so I got my back handspring because I wanted to be on the cheerleading squad because they would give you a coat and a pair of shoes. And my family couldn't afford nice shoes. And my shoes were always being made fun of because the your toe would go through the tip of the, pl- you know, the cheap plastic shoe that I was wearing. And then the soles of the shoe would come off and flap and, you know, all of these things and all of this stuff that was happening. I was blaming God. And then I finally got to the point after Lisa died that I was like, I mean, I got you with me and this is what I get. I'm going to try it without you. 
and I made the cheerleading squad. I got my jacket and I got my tennis shoes and, um, and, and then we did road trips and they would take us to McDonald's, but I couldn't, I had no money for McDonald's. But then when I memorized the menu and recited it, they would give me a cheeseburger at McDonald's. And hmm. so I continually given myself a pat on the back for all this resourcefulness that I had all these things that I was doing in this attitude of, I don't need you God. And, um, and this carried on for years and years and years all the way until, you know, I, I got married. Um, I married uh, my high school sweetheart and both of us were pretty messed up people. And God continually said, don't do it. Don't walk down that aisle. This is not what you need to do. And in my mind, it's, it's almost like as a Christian, you can feel another Christian in the room mm-hmm. drawn to each other. You know, there's something about that. For the two of us, it was almost like we were both just messed up people. And that's what drew us to each other. And so, you know, what, what should two messed up people do yeah, after they get married? They have a couple babies because that's a good idea, you know. <laughs> and so <laughs> I ended up in this in this broken marriage, um, kind of just trying to keep people from not knowing what was going on in, in my home life and my relationship and and how I had really kind of abandoned God. But then I got to this point where I was like, well, my kids should be at the church. Right. And I felt I felt like that's what I should do. And so I started bringing them back to church. I started taking them, but I was going for them, not for me, because I didn't like Christians. Christians were judgmental, you know, and this is all the things I was telling God. They think they're better than everyone else. They look down on people, you know, yeah. they judge people. And and literally um, the Holy Spirit said, oh, yeah, June, they they judge people. They mm-hmm. look down on people. They think they're better than other people. You're going to fit right in with my people. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, but but it was funny. It wasn't mean to me when he said that it was funny to me. And so um, that humor just loosened me up and calmed me down a little bit. And fortunately, uh, the church that I went to, there was a lot of people there who it wasn't like the little church that I was at before where it was like, yay, she's saved. Let's walk away. Um, God started putting people in my life. And gathering people around me. And then when my husband and I finally, um, it came to that breaking point and we separated in 2011, I had this moment with God where I was like, they're surrounding my husband. And in my eyes, he was the bad guy. You know, he's the bad guy. And they're surrounding my husband and they're praying with him and they love him. And, and I'm standing here by myself in my bed looking at the window, God. And I'd love to know where are your people? Where are your people? And no kidding, at that moment, my cell phone rang in my pocket. And I looked down and it said Jared on my phone. And see, Jared was a guy who was kind to me in high school, who was a deacon at our church. And he called and said, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, I was yelling at God, asking him where his people are. And then you (laughs) called And he's like, no way. And he said, I just wanted you to know, you know, that, that we all love you. If you want me to come sit with you and, and your husband, you know, I will do that. Uh, we're here for you. Hmm. And so I was saved to get long story, right, Michelle, <laughs> to get back. <laughs> I, I was saved. I gave my heart to God. I believed in Jesus Christ. I, I, I 
I truly, you know, had him in my heart. But I walked away from him for a long time. I was angry. I was upset. Um, Later on, I realized all of those things, those resources, you know, the things that I thought I had done for myself. God's like, who do you think gave you the athletic ability to do a back handspring? Hmm. Gave you that mind to memorize the entire menu at McDonald's. You know, and, and a lot of people think it's that Big Mac, whatever little short song. It's not. It's like a minute long thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he's like, who, who, who gave you that? Like, mm-hmm. I gave you that because I love you and I knew that you would need it. And so um, praise God, my husband and I, we just celebrated our 25th wedding. Well, actually, we're almost to the 26th wedding anniversary. And it was one of those things where there was a lot of healing. There was a lot of forgiveness. But what what happened was rather than Jason and I focusing and I'm not saying marriage counseling is not the way to go for people. But for us, counseling wasn't working. What happened was when we spent time apart from each other and got serious about our vertical relationship and we stopped worrying about the horizontal relationship. And I saw him just get on fire for Christ. Mm. And it was the first time that I actually could tell you what a friend I have in Jesus. He's my savior, but he's my friend. And I had a relationship with him. He, he was real now. He wasn't just a a figure and someone I believed in. I truly had conversations, conversations, just like you and I are talking right now. I had, you know, uh, I was humbled by him. He was gentle. Like you said, he's, he's a gentleman. He doesn't, he doesn't beat you down. He doesn't make you love him. Um, But yeah, that's how I ended up just, just where I am now and this belief and wanting other people to know that I did do it without him and I've done life with him and I never want to do it without him again. Yeah. And, uh, and it's awesome that what started because your mom, uh, drug you to church is actually what brought you back to the Lord because you drug your kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I know that you're very close with your uh, with your folks still. Uh, they've got some really cool nicknames. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Hot Dog and Mo. Hot Dog and Mo. That's my people. Now, have they also found the Lord, or are, are we praying for them, or where, uh, where are they? Well, Hot dog is hot dog. He's still he's still doing what hot dogs do, I guess. But um, my mom, uh, I tell you what, man, I, I'm blessed with the relationship that I have with her. Uh, mm-hmm. He definitely softened her heart um, after she lost her parents. Actually, we were having a conversation the other day when when my uh, oldest son was born. She'll say she tells people she tells me she talks about this moment that um, she offered a babysitting. And she said, and I don't remember this moment, but she'll never forget it. She said, I looked at her and said, you will never keep my kids. Mm. They will never be alone with you. And it crushed her. It was a moment where she was just blown away. And she said, you know, but I, I remember sitting in my chair and thinking, wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I, I swore I'll never be like my mom. I'll never do what my mother did. And I did what she did, you know? And so, um, 
she really started to kind of look at herself and her relationship with Christ. And, and man, my, my older sister, Bobby, Bobby was sold out for God early on. Mm-hmm. We called her Bible school, Bobby, me and my little brother <laughs> did. Cause my brother and I, we, we wanted to be cool and we partied and I was rejecting God. And my little brother is 19 months younger than me. And all my friends were beautiful, which was really dumb because you don't, I was like, I should have not had such beautiful. I was always the ugly chick in the group. <laughs> I'm like, why did I pick such pretty friends? But my my little brother, he wanted to obviously hang out with us all the time. And he became, you know, my best friend. And my sister, because mom was just kind of hands off, like she was just dealing with what she was dealing with. And, um, you know, my brother wanted to, to spend, all, you know, all this time or whatever with this. My sister felt obligated to protect us. And she was already strong in her faith when she was a teenager. And so we called her Bible school, Bobby. And, and, but she was also over the top. Like if we came home and we were laughing, she's like, y'all been drinking. You've been drinking. Have you? We're like, no, we're just laughing. <laughs> like you could, you know, mm-hmm. but she was an example. She was a constant example. And I saw how her and, and her future husband, and now they've been married for 30 years, uh, how much they love the Lord together. You know, mm-hmm. like it was the, the realest example of Christ's love that, that I had ever had in, in my life, you know, and um, and my mom was learning from her and my mom was watching her. And then those words that I said to her made her reevaluate who she was. And then she did become by the time I had my second child, she did. She watched my son. She watched my little brother's son. Um, she, you know, she crochets blankets for him. She talks about Jesus she loves to get, you know, go to church. She has a lot of physical disabilities, so she's unable to go now. But, um, but her her heart, yeah, man, she, she does. She loves the Lord, and she loves that we have a relationship with Him. And and we and the beautiful part is we have real conversations. I was uh, the book that I'm writing. I was sitting down talking to her the other day, and 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 we have real conversations. She's she doesn't mind if I share about you know our journey because she praises God for the changes that have been made as much as as I do. Um, hot dog. I will tell you this about hot dog. He's had, he's caught himself on fire probably four times. He's, um, he's cut the ends off of at least two fingers. He's had four heart attacks. He's had cancer. I tell, I keep telling him like, dad, God loves you so much that he's going to continue getting your attention <laughs> until you pay attention, you know, until you pay attention to him. And we laugh and joke about it, but he was, um, the last time he had surgery, he made a comment before they took him back. And it's hard. It's hard to witness to your own family sometimes. Right. That, yeah. that can be difficult. And I told that I said, Dad, I have to know when they took you away. There was this moment where I'm like, if you died right now. I would not know where you go. Right. And I said, do do you believe in Jesus? And he's like, yes. And I said, but do you believe who he is, and what he does, what he did? And basically, my dad was like, I know what he did. I know who he is. And dad told me who Jesus Christ is. And he's and then I found out he had been baptized when he was a kid. And then he shared with me some church hurt and some issues that he had. And then, of course, he was an alcoholic by the time he was 16. And so that wasn't a place that alcoholics really hang out very often, you know. But the beauty was that God gave me that moment with my dad to have real talk. And, you know, is is he going to church? Is he praising the Lord? Did he stop cussing? Did he stop drinking? Did he stop smoking? No. But if you ask him, he won't deny who Christ is. 
And he said, I pray all the time. I talk to God all the time. I'm down here by myself all the time. I talk all the time. And no one would ever think that my dad does that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the book by its cover, right? Maybe just open it up and ask. So because of how he is, he doesn't get to have the joy here on earth of a, a the relationship that we know yeah. with Christ and the the less anxiety and fear and those kind of things. But um, but yeah, I I truly believe that that he was saved and um, but I wish more for him. So if we yeah. wanted to pray, that would be the thing to pray for. Is pray pray for more, less pain, less separation, and, and a better relationship with Christ for sure. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, what, uh, at what point did, uh, did you uh, step into comedy? Um, I'll make this short. Cause I, ooh, that's a lot of talking. Um, I'll make this short. Okay. So basically in 20, probably 2016, um, the end of 2016, I went to church one day, nothing significant happening. Music hadn't started to play. Um, we sat down in our pew cause we're Baptist. You got your own pew. And, I went to set my Bible on the, the back of the pew and just kind of organize and stuff in my seat. And I sat down and I literally, and I only, only two other times in my life have I experienced this, like physically feeling something. Um, I felt almost an electricity run through my body. And I heard the Holy spirit say, I want you to write. Hmm. And I was like physically shocked by it. And then I felt my face and there were tears like had started to go down my face and I had no idea what was happening. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what was going on. I got up. I walked out of the back of the church. My family didn't know what was going on. Church hadn't even started yet. I couldn't even come back into the sanctuary. So we get in the car. Everything is silent. We get home and my husband's like, what happened? And I tell him what happened. And I said, what do you think? And he's like, so you think that was a Holy Spirit? And I said, I know it was. I know what just happened to me. And he's like, well, then I would suggest you start writing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. But then I was like, what? What do you want me to write? Because I had written poetry when I was a little girl. Um, all the way through adulthood, I had written short stories. I'd written plays. I had you know, written lyrics. My family made music out of it. I've been writing for a long time, but not for major public consumption, right? And so for a year, I was like, what? What do you want me to write? What do you want me to write? And I kept asking, asking, asking. And I wanted direction, direction, direction. And God said, you're not going to get direction until we get some connection. Mm, Wow. And so then I started getting more serious about reading his word and and trying to figure out what he was saying to me. And, you know, and and less of the mom who was there in church for her kids to be there and more of the, the what, what do you what do you have for me? What do you want from me? And uh, and so about a year later, I was on my way to work and um, the Lord said, uh, hey, June, it's comedy. You know, it's comedy. And I said, what? Wait, what? Like. <laughs> stand-up comedian? And he said, it's comedy. You know it is. And so I tell God, I was like, okay, so I know we're not supposed to ask for signs, but if you're seriously telling me that you want me to be a stand-up comedian, I'm going to need something, right? Because this doesn't make sense to me. So I get to the intersection. My light turns green. I go to head through and a car runs the red light. 
and barely misses the tip of my vehicle. I hit the brakes. He hits the brakes, swerves around me and goes on and I'm frozen. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll never ask for a sign again. I will never, <laughs> ever, ever. And then I remember getting on the interstate and I'm laughing about it. And I'm like, God, if you would have wiped me out right then, like that would have been hilarious in heaven. I would have been like, seriously, I waited a year. <laughs> you finally told me I was for a sign and you, you, you take me home. Like what? Um, but after that, I, I, it was almost like I was in the closet about it. It was secret and I was freaking out and I didn't know what to do. And man, when God calls you to it, he started, he just started putting people and places and, and the CCA and people like Michelle and resources and, and people in my life that, um, that people pay good money to have five minutes at a comedy show to be sitting in their presence. And God's like, Oh, here they can, you can go sit at their house and learn to write. Hmm. Oh, this person will now be your friend. And I'm like, wait, what? you know, but it, it took off really quick. He he gave me everything I needed to begin this journey. And um, so, yeah. So since 2017, uh, just fast tracked it. A lot of stuff that I've done in just this short amount of time, I can tell you, I don't say like, oh, well, I've done stuff faster than everybody. Like, it, it's not that, but I do. I've been around comedy long enough to know, oh, wow, I shouldn't have been able to do that yet. Mm. You know, and it's not because of anything special about me. It's because this is not a journey I decided to do. This was something God had me do. I remember telling my nephew um, how scared I was and how, you know, and I was going to the CCA for the first time. And these are real comedians and I'm nobody. I don't even have a joke written. I don't know what to do. And my nephew had been a musician, like a rock band, major stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and God had called him out of that world in a very unexpected way. And he had left that, that life and was starting over as a Christian and trying to figure out what God wanted him to do. And he said, well, this is what I know. Beginning in the music industry, Christian music, rock music, it doesn't matter, whoever, whatever. Some people say they're there for one reason and they're really there for another. And he said, the room full of comedians, Christian comedians, some of them might not even be Christians. You don't know. Right. And he said, but why, what do you have to fear? If God sent you, you're already on the right path. Yeah. And you don't have to be worried about anybody in that room accepting you. And it was freeing. And this was a 20-something-year-old kid. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like, if God said go, then even the people in this room that have been doing it for 25 years can't say no. They can't say no. Yeah. So was there ever a moment where you're like, hey, I can use my initials because they're the same as Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the only reason why I married my husband. I needed to see for the last name. So that's why we're still together. If he does ever leave me, I'm fighting to keep that last name. So. <laughs> and scene. And yes. yes. So thank you all for uh, for sharing uh, your stories. Um, I, uh, I'm sure in, in the way God is works is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, your stories are so different yet so similar. It, it, the, there's just, um, I just love how God works and the fact that mm-hmm. He brought you all together as friends, as you know, mentor mentee, and you know, collaborators. Uh, really hope that people will check out the podcast, Laugh Support Podcast. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. You get to know these two, and um, 
Uh, you also get to know that that Junebug loves to give people a sign off, and Michelle's not <laughs> as big of a fan of that. <laughs> no, <laughs> she's no. not. You got to listen to the Earl music episode though, because Earl just has a way of getting people to do wonderful things. Cute right. tears. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there are two final segments uh, that we do on the Gifts of Glory podcast. The first one is called the interrogation. Uh, seven random questions that uh, otherwise wouldn't have fit in the conversation. And then the final is always uh, asking your wise counsel for somebody that wants to use their gifts for God's glory. So uh, let that simmer in the back of the mind, and we will get started with the interrogation. So our first question is, uh, we'll start with Michelle, and then uh, uh, June can answer. Uh, What is your favorite joke to tell on stage? Uh, Any of June's jokes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think think my favorite one is um, the one that God actually gave me. Um, and it's John three sixteen, Matthew two ten, and Mark three eleven. Uh, those are the guys in my Weight Watchers group. They're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, how about uh, how about you, June? What's uh, your favorite? Uh, uh, my favorite joke, probably one of my favorite jokes to tell, is um, it's in a bit where I talk about my kids being extraterrestrial teenagers, and I. And I say, you know, they've gotten so big now, I can no longer break them up when they get in a fight. But I have figured out if you can't beat them, you tase them. Yes, <laughs> I love that one. But, but, but the, I think the tags are what I like the best. And I say, it's, it's okay. You only have to do it once. Plus bonus, my son Trey no longer stutters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just like saying stutter with that Southern accent. Stutter. Um, question number two. Stutter. At the end of a bad day, uh, what do you do to decompress? Um, we'll start with June. Oh, gosh. Um, right now, especially, some, well, about nine months out of the year, it's my back patio. Uh, we've got a swimming pool out back and, and you know, just comfy furniture and a TV. And, and I love to at night just sit outside with my husband and you can hear all the crickets. And, you know, we, we live on a ridge and you're behind the ridge or whatever. And so it's just that it's almost like you're camping. It's just mm-hmm. that sound outside. So any night that I can just go and, and sit outside, that's what I do. So what are those things that uh, the the uh, the bugs that light up? What do you call those down in Kentucky? Uh, we call them lightning bugs, but some people call them fireflies. Nice. Oh. Yeah. All right, Michelle, uh, what do you do at the end of the day, uh, at the end of a bad day to decompress? That is a great question. Uh, when I have a bad day, I'll let you know. No, <laughs> uh, probably chocolate would be would be oh, yes. my guess. Um, I do like watching um, the Hallmark murder movie channel mystery <laughs> movies, uh, just because. Um, I do love a good cup of hot water. Uh, sometimes I'll put lemon in it. Sometimes I'll put tea in it. Um, and now that my husband actually has enclosed our back porch. Um, I can sit out there too. So it's screened Mm -hmm. in and that is nice to sit out there. All right. Question number three, Um, Michelle, what keeps you up at night? Words with friends. Rhonda Corey is constantly saying your turn. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To be real, uh, 
nothing actually keeps me up at night unless God wants me to pray about something. Cause I can sleep mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere, anytime. And when I sleep, like I snore, everyone knows it except nowadays my dog is old. And mm-hmm. so my schedule has changed because she has no longer knows day versus night. And I don't want my husband to have to get up to take her out and stuff. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a 10 minute thing. Sometimes it's a two hour thing. It just depends. Um, But other than that, nothing really keeps me up. Okay. Uh, June. Um, Drinking too much of this Kentucky ale eight. (laughs) Then I have to have to run to the bathroom. No, (laughs) I saw you with some ale eight. My son tonight actually got me um, Chick-fil-A and brought me home one of these uh, ginger ales. And so I was like, that's perfect. Um, No, everything keeps me up at night. My mind, um, I, you know, Michelle and I, if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me when my attention deficit kicks in, I call her Addie and I'm like, Addie, bring it back in. What's, you know, but that's the time that my mind goes the most wild. Um, I just recently started documenting my dreams. The first night that I documented my dreams, I had nine dreams in one night. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have up 12. So I dream, I dream, I dream all night long. And then I have an 18 year old and uh, I don't sleep until he's home. I Mm. just, I will, I just can't go to sleep until he's home. So between that, my husband snoring louder than Michelle, um, I can't room with Michelle at all. Uh, my husband's snoring. My mind's going insane. I'm waiting to hear the garage door close and know that my 18 year old's at home. I hardly ever sleep. Wow. All right. Question number four. Uh, if you could, what's something that you wish you could go back and do over? Now, this could be a positive mm-hmm. that you want to experience again or something you want to go back and fix. Uh, so, uh, uh, Michelle, we'll give you the first crack. That is a great question. Um, all right. So if I could go back and have a do-over, to be bold enough to finish a question that I went to ask a minister one time, I called his name. He turned around and he looked at me. And I was like, uh, have a good night. Because I didn't have the boldness to um, ask my question. And I think I would go back and do that. That or I wouldn't have had that second dessert. It's one of the two. <laughs> so the uh, what was the uh, question or is that something personal not to be revealed? Uh, so at the time frame, I used to deal with major migraines mm. and um, I just I wanted him to pray for me mm. and I wasn't bold enough to ask. Gotcha. All right, June, what's something that you'd go back and do over, whether it's something you want to experience again or fix? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. That's a tough one. I I have that mindset of like when it's done, it's done and we're moving on. So I can't imagine. um, I don't know. It's one of those, I guess, because my my son just started uh, graduate school and my other son just turned to 18. And and, um, I don't know if if there was just one more time, if I could go back in time to just have that moment where you walk in the house and the little ones run up and jump and they yell mom and they're so excited to see you and just to have that, that intimate moment, you know, because now, you know, they both are big and strong and cool and whatever. Nobody gets excited when I walk into the house, they don't run and hug me. So I think if I could just as a mom, maybe have that moment. Just a little snuggle for my boys again. All right. Next question. 
Uh, with whom do you most identify in scripture? Uh, we'll go with June first. Oh, dang. Okay. So <laughs> I knew this ahead of time because one of the things when God called me into Christian comedy, I said, Lord, you know, I can't, I remember stories from the Bible, but I can't quote stuff. And um, I don't know, maybe that donkey that get that uh, the guy with the bee, yeah, uh, Balak and Balaam or, you know, I'll mess up their names, but maybe the donkey. Cause a lot of times I feel like that's what's going on in my life where I'm like, y'all stop. No guys, I live with all men and there's boys here all the time. Teenagers, you know, my house is just overrun with testosterone. And every time I'm like, don't wait, no, don't stop. Danger, danger. And then I feel like I'm getting beat up, you know? <laughs> so, so I don't know, but, but I, for whatever reason, when I first uh, really started reading the Bible, uh, which was not long ago because it, it just was what it was. I got whatever bits and pieces. I wasn't, I didn't even know that people actually did that, that they really mm-hmm. read the Bible and people really prayed for you. But I remember reading about Gideon and I feel like Gideon was the dude that was just like, not me. No, wait, no, you know, and I felt I related in that story at the time that I was, I was doing that to God. I was like, you know, I'm not the person you want. And, you know, so, so either a donkey or Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Michelle? Well, she took my answers. Uh, remember, that, remember that lion that David killed? No. Um, <laughs> just, um, for the beginning, the first half of my life, I, I think I was um, a Martha, just mm. doing, 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 doing. Mm. And then when God got a hold of my heart and softened it, I think I became a, a Mary where I can just sit with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, Peter, cause he just says stuff and doesn't think about it and just blurts things that that's, that's definitely, um, my ministry tone, mm-hmm. <laughs> just blurt it out and go, Oh, well, there it is. I love, okay. What's the cat's name? That's me out. I love how Dave is very discreetly like sweet kitty. Get out of here. <laughs> Earlier I saw it's a little tail, but it looked like you had a tail. So I was like, okay, either he has a cat or something very strange. Just <laughs> well, that's why I only shoot from here up because you know, I, I know uh, that's my wife's cat trooper. Oh, uh, I'm married into three cats and, um, I have not filed the adoption papers yet. Yes. Uh, she's she's wanting me to, but I'm like they're not dogs. So, so yeah, that's Trooper. He's very nosy and very noisy. <laughs> that's okay. I like it. Yeah. What a trooper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number six: Who is the coolest or most inspiring person that you've met? Uh, we'll go June. Oh no! I like to have time to think. <laughs> coolest. Probably Michelle Van Dusen. That's right. She is. (laughs) She is super cool. And she's really inspiring. She, she, you know, you could say like the, you know, whatever, some celebrity that I've met, but, but none of them inspire me like Michelle does. So Mm. realistically, you know, people like her and Rhonda Corey, so, so many of my friends from the, the CCA, those, those are the coolest and most inspiring people in my life. Not, not a one-time, you know, encounter with a celebrity. And, and you really just said that to make her feel really guilty for calling you a brat before we went on air. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> oh, yeah. She wants me to say that about her now, and no. Um, <laughs> most inspiring person I've ever met um, 
I would, I would definitely have to say Patsy Caminetti because I spent two years uh, under her tutelage at a prayer and um, prayer school. Hmm. And that was the most inspiring thing for my life at the time frame that I needed it because I'm still living on those principles that I learned. Basically, um, she's a woman of God that says, Oh, you don't know who you, you haven't, you don't know God here. L- let me introduce you. And we'll just bring you to his throne room and say, okay, talk to him. Hmm. Like doesn't, doesn't stand in between you and God. So, oh, you don't know him. Here you go. Boom. You know, it's just, it's so inspiring. And then I actually would have to say, um, June, cause I was telling you earlier, June, uh, that I love how God uses you and how you see people through his eyes where other people right away judge and you pause and it's like you listen to what he's saying and then you see them the way he, see, the way he sees them. And to me, that's very inspiring. Oh, that's so sweet. Except for I'm hung up on the fact that you said tutelage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real word. That's just um, a funny word. <laughs> the tutelage. And the tutelage. I've been right. under Michelle Vendusen's <sighs> tutelage. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> okay. I love you, Michelle. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. It's Get it okay. Be mature, Addy. <laughs> so the uh the final question of the interrogation is um this may be hard uh pick four comedians uh to do a tour with who is on your dream tour uh whoever wants to go first take it all right that is a great question um hmm i don't know june who you got <laughs> <laughs> I well, I'm thinking like a really right now in this moment in my life, like a, a really fun tour, I think would would definitely be myself and Michelle and Rhonda Corey. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And uh man, we have so many amazing comedic friends. Yeah, this, I, this I, question's unfair. It would definitely start with the three of us. And then you could probably pick Forty-five thousand people to fill that last spot. You know, we could we could get a token mail. I mean, you know, I think so. Tour, I think you know, we, and yeah. then somebody, yeah, like yeah. Dave or somebody. The ladies uh, and Dave. That's what yeah. we would do. Dave and the ladies. Um, yeah, actually, right now I'm actually in the process of creating a tour with um, Dina O'Hara and Nicole Miller and myself. We're going to be um, touring local churches here in our area. Okay. Um, because it, you know, girls night out kind of a thing. Uh, she laughs is what we're calling it. And we just, we feel like it's time for women in our area to be, to have a chance to kind of just breathe for a minute, laugh, mm-hmm. and then get back to all the pressure that's been happening in our world. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's awesome. Great stuff. Uh, you know, if, if you guys do a tour with Rhonda Corey, it could be the, uh, uh, the talk is cheap while on laugh support tour. Yes, yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. There's oh like wait, that's name. life support. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the final, final question I ask every interview is uh, for anyone that's wanting to step up and use their gifts, uh, their talents, their passions, or even their experiences, all for God's glory. What is your wise counsel? Michelle. No, you go, Michelle. You're okay. wiser than me. <laughs> uh, first off, always respect your elders. So thank you, June. Uh, 
Um, I, I would have to say, keep God priority. He has to be first and foremost before your career. Um, and I did career in parentheses because it's not really your career anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely pray it out before you step out. Um, make sure that you're following peace and not pressure. Because if you're following pressure, like I got to do that, I got to. No, you're not actually walking in his peace and you'll, you'll miss his wisdom. Mm. Um, and you also have to know that when you're in a situation, and whether the crowd is a big crowd or a small crowd, you're not playing to the crowd. Your audience is God. Your audience is God. And so it doesn't matter if there's one person or 100 people or 10,000 people. You're there because God puts you there. Um, be good at your craft. <laughs> be good at your craft. That's just flat out. That's wisdom. That's right there. Um and there, there's no shortcuts. There really isn't. There's there's absolutely no shortcuts. You have to go from step to step to step. Now, you can do those steps quickly, mm-hmm. but you have to hit every single step. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't. There's no shortcuts in that. And um, the last thing that I wrote down was uh, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked one. So you have to, you can't just sit there and think, oh, I'm going to do this, that, and that, and that. But then no, you're not doing any action. You have to take that first step because God could have called you to do something. And if you don't take that first step, he can't do his next step. It's a partnership with him. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's good stuff. Nice. All right, nice. June. Uh-huh. All, all of what Michelle said. Um I, yeah, uh, yeah, when I was thinking about it, <laughs> I was thinking about, um, one, be wise about who you're taking advice from. You know, the world can't give us advice for what we're doing. People who don't follow Christ can't give us advice for what he wants us to do with our gifts. Um, I also think you shouldn't surround yourself with yes people a good core group of people who don't always agree with you. Michelle and I were talking about this with our podcast that we don't always, literally we don't see eye to eye. <laughs> I'm 10 foot tall and she's little bitty and small, but, yeah, but belly that's there's a lot of lint there. There's a lot of lint. <laughs> but you know, when you surround yourself with yes, people, um, you don't always, uh, you don't always get the truth. You just get what someone, you know, thinks you want to hear. I think definitely honor God with your gifts um, and know that he is how you honor him and what you do with the gifts that he's given you and called you to use. That's success. Not how many clicks, not how many likes, not how many followers. If you're doing what he said to do with your gift, if it's in a nursing home for people who might not. even remember their own names and their family. It's just as successful as somebody who's on a stage with 20,000 people cheering on their name and and paying money to have five minutes of their time, you know? And then the final thing, the thing that I keep on my desk, um, because sometimes a lot of times, well, actually I'm going to two final things. A lot of times um, you'll be in this journey. Like Michelle said, the parked car, you'll feel parked and you, and you'll feel like, 
that I'm trying to do what you told me to do for me in 2020. I walked away from a full-time job to do comedy full-time, you know, right. Actually 2019 going into 2020. And then what, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And um, so I keep on my desk. I just, well, you can't see it probably can you, but this little verse, the it's, it's Philippians one, six, who he, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He called me into doing comedy. He brought me these friends and he's not going to leave me. He equipped me. He gave me these things. And, uh, and it says he, he'll complete it. He didn't start something with me and go, okay, ha ha. I was kidding and walk away. You know, he'll complete that. And then the final thing I would say is, um, I remember being at a thing called SheCon with, um, Kay Dodd and Lisa Mills. And I remember they kept saying, submit it to the house, submit it to the house. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I was like, what is it? What are they talking about? Submit it to the house. And they were saying to share what God has called you to do with your church, with your home Mm. church and have them surrounding you in prayer, that it's critical that they surround you with prayer. And I knew my church was kind of like, eh, comedy. Okay. That's interesting, June. You know, I didn't understand how important it was to have Christians praying for you until the first time I used my gift. And it was a great moment. And it was, um, it was a special event. I was filled with joy. And by the time I got to the car, I was surrounded by words that were not coming from God, but coming from the enemy. That was awful. You think that was good? They were only nice because they know you, June. You weren't that good. You shouldn't even be Mm. doing this. You really embarrassed yourself. That wasn't so great. You know, I was attacked before I got in the car and I called Kay Dodd and I said, what just happened? And she started sharing with me stories where the same had happened. So if you're going to go out and you're going to you're going to be faithful and do what God called you to do, even if you're you know, if your church is not necessarily someplace that you're like, hey, I want you guys to pray for me. Find some Christians, some friends, some family, have them surround you in prayer, because when we go out, we start using these gifts as much as it gives God joy. It really ticks off the enemy. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know. You need that. You need that prayer surrounding you. So, so that would be, that would be my little bundle of advice. Good stuff. Uh, thank you all so much for being on the show. It's uh, been great. Uh, you, you guys are phenomenal. I, I, I wish we could hang out in person. I know that uh, Chicago, Tulsa, uh, Kentucky, maybe someday, maybe we can do mm-hmm. the, uh, the three ladies and a Dave tour. Maybe. <laughs> That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. But uh, for those uh, watching, we want you to make sure to uh, uh, find them at Laugh Support Podcast on Facebook. Uh, You can find uh, uh, June at uh, JuneColsonComedy.com or at JuneColsonComedy on Facebook. And then uh, find uh, Michelle at Michelle'sComedy.com or on Laugh or at Laugh I'm Funny on uh, Facebook. Uh, uh, ladies, it's been a blast. I uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, I want to uh, remind everyone, join us again next week. Uh, we are going to have uh, the uh, director of uh, Vindication. Season 2 is coming out on September 1st on uh, Pure Flix. The night before, we're going to have the director, Jared O'Flaherty. He's going to be a part of the Gifts for Glory show. So be sure to tune in. Uh, come with your comments and your questions. Uh, we'd love to have those. Uh, and uh, we talked about uh, Nicole Miller just a moment ago. 
she's uh, chiming in with some hand claps. So, Nicole, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'd love the uh, superhero outfit in your profile picture. That is awesome. Uh, so uh, join us next week. Uh, Nicole, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, one day I need to get Nicole on here. Talk yes, about the Crayola improv and, uh, and other comedy stuff. So, uh, ladies, thank you again so much. We will talk to everyone again next week here on Gifts for Glory. Mm-hmm.